0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Bill Lyons about transformational HR as an investment in our people and organizational culture. Bill Lyons, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Good to be with you, John.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you as a guest today. I'm super excited to have this conversation. Uh, We're going to be exploring something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is really the transformation of HR over time. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the history of HR and really how it's evolved into more of a strategic key player within organizations. So we're going to be talking about transformational HR and- Uh, HR as an investment in our people and our organizational cultures. And I know you have a lot of background and experience in this area, so I'm super thrilled to have the opportunity to have that conversation with you today. As we get started, I wanted to share Bill's bio. Bill Lyons, the Forbes books author of We Are HR, The Business Owner's Definitive Guide to Professional Employer Organizations, is the CEO of Lyons HR one of the largest privately held professional employer organizations in the country. Lyons has more than three decades of experience and has helped hundreds of businesses drive performance control, HR and labor costs, increase profit profitability and mitigate employment liabilities. Before starting Lyons HR prior to 1995, he held positions in accounting and finance for both private and publicly held companies. Again, again, Bill, it is a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining me today. Before we launch into the conversation, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of background or personal context just to get us rolling?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, we started the company in 1995, and and I guess prior to starting the company, it, it had been my observation that companies are going to thrive or fail based on how effective their human resource programs are. Uh, you know, let's face it, our, our companies are made at, uh, or broken by our uh, employees and the people that we surround ourselves with. So as we started our company, uh, it was a passion of mine to, to be involved in, in human resources and maximizing productivity. Uh, and I, I came to HR from an, an accounting and finance uh, background, uh, having worked uh, as a controller and a CFO for a couple of different businesses before starting Lions HR. Uh, it gave me, a, I think, a unique perspective to see the financial impact that effective HR management can have on an organization.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I appreciate the background. And as we were talking in the pre-interview before hitting record, just getting to know each other a little bit uh, and discussing kind of the nature of how this episode would evolve, um, we had discussed the the shifting nature of HR over time. So, I'm 20 years into this. Uh, you know, I, I went through my schooling in the early 2000s, got my first HR job in the early 2000s, and and have have moved forward. So I've seen quite a bit of transformation just in the, you know the last decade and a half, two decades. Hmm. Um, but I suspect you've seen even more, um, given your um, your long experience. Tell us a little bit, paint the picture for listeners uh, who may not be aware of. Kind of where things were in the eighties, nineties, and how they have shifted in the two thousands into the the, the yeah. two thousand tens, um, and and now where we're at today, moving into the future of work and needing HR to to play a certain role, and and then we can get into talking about you know are we there yet? What do we need to do to get to that point and and go down that path?
1: I, th- I think it is a constantly evolving discipline, uh, but as you as you say. Uh, HR management today is not the old personnel department from 40 or 50 years ago. You know, back in the old days, uh, we used to call it personnel. Now, you know, it evolved from a personnel department to a human resource, which is really a strategic discipline in and of itself, just as long or risk or benefits or any of these other areas. And so, um, uh, you know, in the old days, HR was, or rather personnel, as it was called in those days, was responsible for hiring, firing, and maintaining employee records. And that was Uh, about it. But over the over the past, let's say 30 to 40 years, you've seen an increasing complexity to HR as a discipline. And I think it is rightfully so deserved a place at the executive C-suite table because uh, it has such an impact on uh, profitability of an organization. You know, I, I think all of that, you know, you talk about culture, you know, we talked a little bit about that before we went live. And I think the culture of an organization starts at the top and it permeates throughout the organization. And so that starts with a, a, a core vi- a list of values that drive the company and everything that they do. Uh, violation of those core values is not something that can be considered. And as long as those values are being protected, and if they're correctly defined, uh, then they can drive a very positive culture. So you know, I think it all begins with you know a, a business owner. And again, I'm talking about the small, smaller business owners Uh, It's true of CEOs as well of large organizations, but a small business owner who maps out a good vision for his company. uh, What are we trying to accomplish? who Who are we? Why are we in this business? What is the desired outcome for what we're trying to do? That's a critical first step, defining that vision and not only defining it properly, but making certain that it is communicated frequently and effectively throughout the organization. We put our mission statement on the walls Uh, in our office buildings. We put our values around that because it's all in support of the same thing. So that's a critical to me first step. Then secondly is building a strong and effective team that is going to understand not only the vision and the mission, but be aligned with it. Uh, Part of our recruiting efforts uh, center around locating people who are similarly um, engaged and, and who are aligned with our way of thinking. Uh, that is, they are a good cultural fit, because uh, one of the worst things you can do is bring someone into an organization that's going to have a toxic impact, uh, that's going to drive productivity down, or possibly even drive good, good folks away. And so, uh, secondly, is, is good team building. And then third, and probably the most important thing that a business owner and CEO does is drive a positive culture within the organization. Again, the vision goes first, second, followed by team building, and then third, creating the culture that keeps people there, keeps people engaged. You know, culture will dictate behavior when nobody's watching. And so it's the kind of things that we really want to stress at uh, our company. And it's a key fundamental part of just about any business uh, that is successful. You know, Peter Drucker used to say that, uh, that, that culture eats strategy uh, for breakfast. I think he's the one that coined that phrase several years ago. And the idea behind that is that if you have the right culture in place, good people are going to find a way to solve just about any problem that you find yourself in. And so it, it's, it's a key uh, part of any successful business to make it a strategic initiative uh, because culture is going to develop no matter what. Uh, so if you don't make it a strategic initiative, then it's going to develop on its own. And uh, it's not likely to be what you want it to be if it develops on its own. So you have to make it a priority. And that's that's part of you know, my daily responsibility. I ask myself all the time, what can I do to make this company a better place to work? What can I do to make this the best job my employees have ever had so they never want to go anywhere else? Because we all know the cost of turnover is huge. Uh, I mean, Society of Human Resource Manage, uh, Management uh, estimates the cost of a single employee turnover uh, to be between 6 and 9 months of that person's salary so if if you take a $60,000 per year person for example that's 5,000 a month you lose that person it costs you between $30 and $45,000 just in the cost of replacing that person not counting the cost of lost productivity not counting the cost associated with morale and and the disruption of the business that that person uh, that person's departure creates and so when you when you think about That it it just makes a lot of sense for you to focus on culture, retain your people, uh, getting the right people in the right roles to begin with, but then fostering the type of culture that's going to make them happy uh, and productive, happy employees are going to uh, create uh, profitable companies.
0: Yeah, well, there's so much you said there um, that I love. Uh, and I, I think we are two peas in a pod in terms of our framing and understanding of of the importance of people issues within mm-hmm. organization. I appreciate as well your background uh, in talking about the, the runway for HR as a discipline, as a functional area within a, a business, a successful business. And it did start as something very, very different than what it is today. And I think about... The difference between transactional HR, those are the things you talked about in the early personnel departments. And -hmm. some of that still has to occur, but largely a lot of those transactional pieces, we have HR information systems and other technologies that can do a lot of that and manage a lot of that for organizations. Mm -hmm. What we've seen, though, over time is that HR has become more, well, I should say, successful HR, uh, meaningful and impactful HR has become more strategic in nature. It's become what we often call or refer to as transformational HR. Mm-hmm. In in that approach, we're, we're focusing on exactly the types of issues you were just describing within the organization. So it's not just enough to, to be the ones, you know, making sure everyone fills out their I-9 correctly and everyone, mm-hmm. you know, does, you know, checks the box for employee onboarding and, you, you know, you do all these things those things are still important. We still need to make sure those things happen, but HR can and should be so much more than that. And it comes back to the values and establishing a clear strategic vision for the organization, the values that support it, building the team, uh, mm-hmm. moving into all the other aspects that you were just discussing. And it's, it's not easy to do. And that's why so many organizations, especially smaller to mid-sized organizations, they, they tend to still kind of have a mindset around HR as this personnel function, as opposed to this strategic player. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a huge opportunity as we move further into this decade, you know, as we get post COVID, that mm-hmm. we have an opportunity to reinvest in HR as a transformational function that allows us to invest in our people in a way that we can get the most out of them that that's good for our people that's good for the organization because we're we're empowering our people to be their best selves to develop their skills and competencies and capabilities ultimately that's good for them and their career but it also helps our teams to be stronger more innovative more productive and is a win-win all the way around
1: um you think about yeah, John, I'm, excuse me. you think you, you talked about the small business owner and how they they tend to be very focused on the short term immediacy of, of the task at hand. That is expense management and staying out of trouble. I wanna comply with uh, the, the laws and the regulations that I have to be uh, responsible for, um, whether that's strategic in nature or that's just trying to be protected and defensive in nature. That's, they're, they're focused on that and they're, spoke, they're focused on the immediate expenses that are staring them in the face. What is my cost for my health insurance renewal? What, how much am I paying for workers' compensation insurance? What's my state unemployment tax rate? These are the immediate things. And so uh, the important thing is to get uh, business owners to realize the exponential value that comes with expanding their view, not only of of, of those short term expense items, but thinking about the strategic areas in which uh, uh, HR can drive profitability. I, I look at a well-crafted HR strategy as falling into really four key areas, which I, th- I think are important to understand. Uh, number one is, is asset protection, uh, making sure that you're not violating any uh, DOL laws, making sure that your job descriptions are accurate and, and, and compliant, making sure that your handbooks are up to date and current and don't violate any current laws. We, know, we all know that, that the employment laws evolve, they change. There are new regulations being uh, issued by the Department of Labor on, on a very regular basis. So asset protection Uh, All the things that you do to make sure that your company is protected from litigation, is in a defendable position, if something were to happen, uh, is is key. Second is expense management. The things that that we as HR professionals have to spend money on in order to just be in HR. Uh, Process and payroll, we have to do that. Uh, We have to provide uh, uh, workers' comp insurance. What are our premiums going to cost us this year? we have to provide some form of benefit plans uh, the best we can for the lowest premium. Those are the short-term expenses. And those are the two areas that most small business owners focus their attention on. So let's expand that. And let's think about um, a third and fourth category.
0: organizations, and work. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life.
1: The third category being cost containment. Now, what's the difference in cost containment and expense management? Cost containment are those long-term strategies. The, those are the things that we can do that impact our long-term cost structure. So uh, let's, let's uh, take, for example, a, a safety program. Okay, our workers' comp premiums are what they are this year because of how we behaved in the past. Okay, so if we can today implement safety programs, and it, again, if you're in, in a manufacturing environment or in an environment with moving machinery, you have a higher degree of risk. But let's just say that we can improve our safety atmosphere with a with a strong and effective safety program. That will have an impact on our bottom line for years to come. Uh, Let's suppose that we can implement an employee wellness uh, and EAP program that's going to make our employees um, healthier, uh, uh, better adjusted. uh, That that's going to improve their personal lives so that when they come to work, they're going to become much more productive and and Uh, much more engaged in in what they're doing. Uh, Those are the cost containment strategies that have not just an effect this year and next year, but for a longer period of time. And then finally, what are the things that we in HR can do to enhance employee productivity across multiple spectrums? How do we leverage technology to improve how well we um, uh, produce our product or service? Uh, How can we improve communications Uh, throughout the organization so that everyone is on the same page? Are there some things that we're doing that should reasonably be outsourced because it's not our core competency? And is there a more effective way to get this particular thing done and get it off our plate and get it onto the plate of someone else at a, at a, a better cost? And then probably most importantly in this area of productivity is a professional training and professional development program for our people. How do we make you know, our people better? How do do we improve their lives personally and professionally? So if we can get ourselves to look at all four of these areas, not just, you know, the asset protection areas where the do's and the don'ts of the, the legal world, not just expense management, the things that we have to do in the here and now, but let's think about these other two categories where we are containing cost over a span of time and we are also improving productivity of our, of our people and our organizations through HR systemization, through increased uh, technology, uh, through improved communications, and through potentially outsourcing certain things that are not in our core competency. The reason that small businesses do not focus on these other two areas that I talk about, cost containment and employee productivity, is because the payback is not immediate. And because it takes time an effective HR strategy to provide the return on investment that uh, that the small business owner likes to see. Okay. If I can move my health insurance from company A to company B and say 20%, that's immediate. And that is a, and if the, assuming all the, the features of the programs are the same, that's a fairly easy decision to make. But if you're asking me to invest a couple of hundred thousand dollars into an HRIS system that's going to improve my communications through my system, throughout my organization uh, is gonna help me better track and document my employees and their professional development. It's gonna help me track a number of other things that were gonna help me contain costs. I'm not gonna see a return on that investment for probably two years or more. And so because these strategic initiatives have a longer payback, uh, it is much more difficult to see uh, the small business owner adopt these, which is one of the reasons we uh, as professional employer organizations um, bring that, that expertise to our clients almost from day one is one of the reasons that our industry is growing the way it is, is because we bring those type things to a business owner so that he can see a more immediate, feed, a, a more immediate uh, return on uh, those, those dollars that he's spending.
0: Yeah, yeah. Everything you said is exactly right. And a- as you were laying out those different options, it, it again reminded me of the difference between kind of the old school transactional uh, HR approach versus a more strategic transformational right. approach. And it also reminded me, like, sometimes I think HR gets a bit of a bad rap because it's it's seen as kind of the touchy-feely, you know, feel-good um, area of business because you just want everyone to be happy all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: while there's absolutely a human case to be made for everything we're talking about in terms of investing in your people, valuing and respecting and, and uh, honoring the dignity of each individual employee in the organization, there's a, a clear human case to be made for all of that, but we can boil it down to a very clear business case as well uh it they go and they go hand in hand they're not mutually exclusive so we can do right by our people we can treat them well with dignity and respect value them show them that they mean something to the organization which will increase engagement and retention and all of those sorts of things while also remembering that return on investments very important in making business decisions, and ultimately we want to we want to have evidence that not only can we see you know short term gains from these investments, but also like you said, there there will be long term positive ramifications of what we're doing if we can sustain them and see them through. And that's mm-hmm. the, that's the piece that a lot of times small to medium sized businesses or even large companies that just kind of have people in leadership positions that are kind of old school in their thinking. Um, that's, that's one of the reasons why we see this hesitancy of many organizations Mm -hmm. to, to really embrace the real potential and possibilities that H strategic HR has, uh, as a functional area, as a discipline for them. Uh, Mm -hmm. you just laid out several, uh, other types, the types of benefits that, that can help with, um, This cost containment approach. Um, I'm I'm wondering what you also see as other trends in the types of benefits employees are wanting to see, expecting to see as we move further. You know, particularly post-pandemic, as we move further Mm -hmm. into this decade,
1: workplace is evolving. It always has, always will, and as as we see more baby boomers retire and and the emergence of Gen X and millennials into the workplace, you know, they have a different a value system um, in terms of what they're looking for in their in, in their careers. Uh, you know, my parents' generation used to go to work for one company and maybe work there for 40 years and retire. Um, you know, my generation has tended to, I'm in the baby boomer generation. They tend to, you know, move around where the opportunity uh, is to m- maximize their earnings potential and advance their careers. The millennials and the Gen X folks uh, are all about the workplace experience. They're all about flexibility. Uh, they they're very tech savvy. They're very uh, uh, much interested in what's um, what's the latest trend that's coming down the pike. There are there are things that are going to be a part of the workforce as a result of uh, the pandemic that I think are here to stay. I think you're going to see more and more uh, companies relying on remote work, um, flexible working uh, alternatives. Uh, particularly as uh, competition for skilled labor positions becomes more and more intense, uh, I think uh, those employees who value their independence and being able to work remotely, uh, either part of a team or being able to work remotely, I think those are trends that are likely to continue. Um, the other kind of benefits you you, you know you're you're seeing are uh, re- reliance on things like um, employee assistance programs. Uh, you're, you're seeing an increase in in those type of things because. Uh, with the pandemic has, has, uh, has brought with it a lot of personal stress. It's brought with it a, a, a lot of uh, things that affect our, uh, our our folks psychologically. And companies are implementing programs to uh, help combat that, you know, help dealing help them deal with financial struggles in their personal life, helping them deal with maybe a legal issue that has cropped up in their life as a result of being out of work or, or being, you know, uh, quarantine for an extended period of time. You know, we've unfortunately had you know seen an increase in uh, addiction issues and and uh, people needing substance abuse counseling, um, not necessarily as a result of the pandemic, although the pandemic has seen a, an increase in those type uh, statistics. But I think companies looking at um, the overall well-being of their their people, not just. Ah, uh, the well-being from the time they get to the to the workplace to the time they leave, but their entire lives, I think is a trend that's you know likely to continue. Uh, the The increased utilization of technology uh, over the last year has been something that has really fascinated me. Uh, you 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 have seen the digitization of our society that has been, uh, you know, uh, increased by five years, probably because of because of what we've gone through with the pandemic. Uh, before the pandemic, you know we you know we had video conferencing capabilities, but we relied on it almost exclusively during about a four month period of time when we were all scattered and working from home. Um, and now it's become a, it's become a part of our everyday uh, working uh, style. And uh, in fact, sometimes we prefer the uh, the, the video. Uh, conferencing technology that's available and I I think even smaller companies are are beginning to rely some on that not only to to communicate with their employees but with their customers the entire sales and marketing uh, uh, approach to growing a business uh, particularly in service businesses has changed because of the lack of person-to-person interaction that we're seeing and I think people I mean how long did it take you to get used to wearing a mask I mean that was a that was a very odd thing for us to introduce in our lives, and now it's very common to see everyone wearing a mask when you're out. Um, and, and I think some of these other things will become more mainstream as you know as time moves on. Uh, I, I I'm asked the question often about you know what is normal going to look like. I don't know that anybody can truly answer that. I think that that is a uh, a dynamic that is in transition as we speak, and uh, hopefully when we get beyond all the mandates uh, and the restrictions are lifted uh, that will come into focus for us. But uh, you know, right now, I think there are some trends that are emerging and we see those, uh, but there are some other things that we probably can't know uh, until we get a further, a little bit further down the road.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have a crystal ball. Um, we do, we can see some trends and we, we can um, I think reasonably predict uh, mm-hmm. How things will at least be in the immediate future following, you know, things loosening up a bit. And I, I agree with your assessment. Um, mm-hmm. Bill, it, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. The time has flown by. Um, I really appreciate all of the insights you've shared with the listeners today. Before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share mm-hmm. uh, with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out yeah. more about your recent book and anything else you would like to say by way of just wrapping up the episode.
1: Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, we've, uh, I've just completed my first book and it is entitled We Are HR, the Small Business Owner's Definitive Guide to Professional Employer Organizations. Uh, Lions HR is a a professional employer organization or PEO. And I do believe there is a tremendous uh, value that is provided to clients uh, through a PEO relationship. And and, uh, that's described and dissected in great detail within the book. Uh, it can be purchased on Amazon, um, and and I would encourage anybody who's ever been curious about PEOs, or if you've ever thought, is there a better way to manage my human resource responsibilities and get all of this stuff off of my plate uh, and 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 outsource that to a team of experts who know what they're doing in this area, if you've ever wondered if that's for you, um, I would recommend reading the book. It's a very light read. You can probably get through it uh, in about three hours if you can sit and uh, read steadily right through it. Um, and, and I think it, it does uh, educate and inform. And, and I hope I hope that people will take an opportunity to look at it. Uh, I can be uh, my website is billjlions.com uh, and my company is Lions HR. We're at lionshr.com. And I would invite anybody who's curious about PEOS. Are wondering how they might be able to improve efficiencies within their workplace uh, to give us a, a look.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Bill. It has been a pleasure. I include listeners to reach out, get connected with Bill, find out more about what his organization can do for you and check out his book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.